We are not to allow sin to reign in our mortal bodies. I love people that are full of the Holy Spirit and want other people to be full of the Holy Spirit. I love it. I love when people look at the Holy Spirit and His power and they want to lean in on that. What I don't love is people that think they can passively stand there and the Holy Spirit is just going to do things. And the title of today's sermon is The Rain. It says this, For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought, excuse me, who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Point number 1. Christianity is about identity. Today, identity is something we hear an awful lot about. Can I get an amen? We hear a lot about identity. Christianity is about identity. So there are a whole lot of people out there that call themselves Christians that, in fact, are not Christians. Say, well, that's between um, them and God. Yes, it is. And we are specifically talking about that relationship that is, between them and God. So they call themselves Christians because they like the idea of being called a Christian. Now, 70% of our nation say that they are Christians. Really, they like the idea of being called a Christian. They like the idea of Christianity. But Christianity, as we know, is not a preference. And if we view it as that, we're going to run into all kinds of problems. So what it really is, is they like the thought of Christianity better than being called anything else. So what religion are you? Well, I'm a Christian. They say this simply because they like being a Christian, being thought of as a Christian, better than being some of the other things that are out there. But Christianity is not a preference. It's not. Christianity actually is not about preferring anything. Some people say, well, it's about preferring Christ uh, to other things. No, that's not what Christianity is. Some people believe that Christianity is a preferred lifestyle. And this is simply true. Well, I like the values of Christianity. I don't like all the values of Christianity, but I like most of the values of Christianity. Therefore, I am going to call myself a Christian. The problem with this is they pick and choose and select which values they like. But Christianity, again, is not about preferring anything. When we see people say, well, Christianity is what I prefer to think of myself as, or I'm a Christian, and you ask them, and they say things like, well, I prefer the idea of Christianity over other things. That's not being a Christian. So the question then is, well, what is Christianity then? What exactly is it? Well, again, a point that I already said. I'm going to say one more time because that's where we're going to be this morning. Christianity is about, what's that word, everyone? Identity. 
identity. It's about your identification. Now, Christianity is not just about identity. Christianity is about a specific identity. Look what the verses say here, Romans 6, 7 through 11. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. So the Christian identifies with Christ in his, say it everyone, in his death. One more time. Christian identifies with Christ in his, say it, death. Very good. If we identify with him in his death, notice that this condition is, it's conditional phrase here. If we identify with him. If we identify with him. So there's a question here. Do we identify with him? Because that's the only way that any of this stuff applies to any of us in here. If we identify with Christ in his death. If we have died with him. It's conditional. It's if. Notice also, very, very important. Very important. That if I am, and identify with him in what? Identify with him in what? It's death on a Roman cross. If you have identified with Christ in his death on a Roman cross, that death to sin, if we died with Christ, then we believe something. We believe that we've died to sin. Look at what it says here in this verse because it's so vitally important. What is it that we believe? Now, if we have died... If, everyone sees if, big, huge, two-letter word, it says, if, everyone read the red with me, if, if we have died with Christ, we believe. We believe we also live with him. We will also live with him. What are we talking about here? If, if, if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. If we believe that we live with Christ, then it goes on to say that we know some things. So this is all based on this conditional if. If we have died, then we believe that we live with Christ. And then we know some things. What things do we know? We'll look at Romans 6, 9 through 11. says, we know. Everyone see that? So this is for the believer. If you died with Christ, then this is something that you know. That Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. When will Christ die again? Never. Death no longer has dominion over him. Now, in the beginning, we were told to have dominion over the earth, to subdue it, to take co-rule of the earth with God. So dominion is to have rule over something. Look, death cannot have rule over Christ. Cannot. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God so that you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ Jesus. We know that since Christ is dead to sin, we are also dead to it. Dead to it. So there are some people that believe, well, yes, that means that now we are reaching this perfection here on earth. Not so. Not so, because we all know, we can testify to this, no, the temptation to sin, the temptation to sin is not gone. Can I get an amen? 
We are all tempted to sin every single day. Every single day there is a choice in front of you. And now is another one. And now is another one. Will I choose to live for God or will I choose to live for self? Every single day we are tempted one way to do what God has called us not to do or not to do what God has called us to do. The temptation is there. But listen, the temptation to sin is not gone. It's still in our lives. We, all, we can all testify to that. But we are dead to its power over us. Meaning what? Meaning you no longer are a slave to sin. You don't have to follow those impulses. So point number two, this is so important. We are not to allow sin to reign in our mortal bodies. I love people that are full of the Holy Spirit and want other people to be full of the Holy Spirit. I love it. I love when people look at the Holy Spirit and his power and they want to lean in on that. What I don't love is people that think they can passively stand there and the Holy Spirit is just going to do things. Like, uh, well, I have two decisions in front of me. It must be since I chose this one, that's because the Holy Spirit drove me to do that. No, put down the gun. The Holy Spirit did not drive you to do that. No, put the candy bar back. The Holy Spirit did not drive you to steal that. That's not the way the Holy Spirit works. Or we believe that somehow this passive holiness is just sweeping over us all the time because of the Spirit, so we're always making good decisions. We know that's not so. Like I say, I love people that, that love the fire and power of the Holy Spirit and want to lean in on that. I want to do that, and I want us all to do, to do that. But at the same time, we have to realize that Christianity is not a passive lifestyle where things are things just done to us. It's not like you're out in the sea and you're just sailing along and God's just doing all this stuff and we're just benefiting from all the things that he's doing. The Christian life is an active life. We are not to allow sin to reign in our mortal bodies. We are moral agents. Meaning we have both the capacity and the responsibility. Both the capacity and the responsibility to make decisions that are right and good. Based on what we know of God who sets the standard, who himself is the standard. What's the standard? It says in 1 John, this is the message we've heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is, what's that word? Light. And in him is no darkness at all. God is completely perfect, holy. No sin. God does not tempt you to do bad things. If we do bad things, that's not because God's sovereign and God's in control. That does not change the fact that God's sovereign and is in control. It means we made a bad decision because God made us moral agents. Notice in the garden, Adam made a choice, didn't he? Did God pick up that fruit and put it in Adam's mouth? No, no. Adam did. Did Eve, uh, was she handed the fruit by God and God said eat? No, Satan told her to eat. It was a choice she made. It was a choice he made. We see all throughout the Bible, we see people making decisions. When Athaliah slaughtered all of the men that were left but one in the tribe of Judah, understand it was not God's will that she slaughter every single child. That was what she chose to do. God used it for good in the end because we know one child was saved and through him comes Messiah eventually. We all make choices. We're moral agents. We have the ability to make good decisions and bad decisions. In Christ, being dead to sin, we are dead to the power of sin. Meaning that Christians, get this, have a unique ability. By the power of the Spirit, to choose obedience to God at every turn. 
And I know that's a big statement and people are like, yeah, if only it was that easy, Jason. Well, here's what we have in front of us. Here's what we have to deal with. And here is the truth of the scripture. You and I are called to not let sin reign in our mortal body. Yes, the flesh is weak and it is our job to master it. It is our job every single step of every single day not to yield to temptation, though we do. And when we do, we have an advocate that we can speak to and we can confess to. And if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Both faithful and just. So we are moral agents, all right? In Christ... Being dead to sin, we are dead to the power of sin. And this means that Christians have the unique ability by the power of the Spirit to choose obedience to God at every turn. It means you and I can do this. And it is an active faith. It is something we actively do. It means sometimes when someone says something really, really awful, it's our job to keep our mouth shut. And sometimes when someone says something really, really awful, it's our job to open up our mouth right? So the Christian life is not about being passive all the time and just taking everything and just allowing righteousness to slip away and just allowing sin to go forth. No. We're to be active in this life. Notice Romans 6, 12-14. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passion. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Notice here something very important. It's not something done for us. Everyone get that? That's so important. Let me flip back here for a second. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. It does not say, I will not therefore let sin reign in your mortal body. Everyone see that? Whose job is this? It's ours. By the power of the Spirit, it's our job to defeat the sin in our lives. As John Owen so famously said, kill sin or it will be killing you. This is our job. It's not something that is done to us or for us. You fight it. You choose to avoid sin. I choose to avoid sin. This is the Christian life. Anybody that promises it's going to be easy or that you're going to have your best life now, they just don't have this figured out yet. They haven't opened up their Bible. Notice that there is no promise that temptation will be removed. As a matter of fact, Christ prays that we will have strength under temptation. We are told that we will be given strength to endure through temptation. There's no promise that it will be removed. Just the command to obey and not give in to those temptations. So today, passion is an idol. And exactly what I mean when I say that is passion is an idol. We are told that to deny our passions is to deny our humanity. To deny your passions is to deny your humanity. For Joyke Nietzsche, in looking at the Ubermensch, said that to deny your passion, to uh, go after uh, you know, the woman of your choice or um, you know, not to eat what you want to eat or you know, not to go and take what you want to take is to deny your very humanity. Because we live in a day and age today where this has become God. Passion. It's an idol. One of my 
favorite poems uh, for different reasons is Invictus. I want to read that with everyone here. It says, Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud under the bludgeonings of chance. My head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade. And yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. These are the marching orders of culture for all of us today. You're your boss. You are the one that controls your destiny. You can achieve all things you want to achieve. Do not deny your passions. Do not deny those things that you love. Go after them. True freedom is being free from restriction. Nietzsche said some really interesting things. The Superman must be always willing to reject what he is now to become something different. He must never allow himself to become content with present values, but continually create new ones for himself. So what we do is we see a straight line before us. This is the boundary for us. The ultimate goal in Nietzsche's mind is to continue to move that boundary farther and farther and farther. So I control what is good. I control what is evil. It is totally and completely subjective. The Superman does not deny himself the fulfillment of his desires or he denies his very humanity. We know who this guy is. Come on, race fans. Some interesting things to say. It's Mario Andretti. Come on now. Do it no matter what. If you believe in it, it is something very honorable. If somebody around you or your family does not understand it, then that's their problem. But if you do have a passion, an honest passion, just do it. Now, I do not believe this to be a negative context, but this is the exact song that we hear today from all of humanity. If you feel passionate about something, go after it, do it. Achieve your goals. God wants you to have this. You know, another man that had another take on this, Oscar Wilde, he believed that life should not be hindered by moral perceptions. If you've ever read the picture of Dorian Gray, very, very telling. He says, that, he says this, religion is like a blind man looking in a black room for a black cat that isn't there and finding it. Not a big fan. He says, conscience is just a polite word for cowardice. No civilized man regrets a pleasure. Now, this was a character in his book, a picture of Dorian Gray, Lord Henry Wotton, and this guy, when you read through this, this guy is a perverse, dirty scoundrel. He does whatever he wants with whomever he wants and does not care that his wife knows about it. And the sad thing is, Oscar Wilde wrote himself his desire into his book. The three main characters were parts of his own personality. He said this, Morality is simply the attitude we adopt towards people whom we personally dislike. I looked at some general quotes that people are talking about out there in some of these chat rooms and some of these um, forums. 
Morality is subjective because human consciousness is subjective. In order for morality to be objective, it must be right or wrong regardless of human perception. Morality does not exist without human consciousness to perceive and interpret it. Human perception is subjective because no one individual can interpret another's perception. I call your bluff. Morality is not subjective, amen? It does not matter how you or I feel about it. Christianity would be true even if no one believed it. Even if none of us believed in it, it would not stop it from being true. None of us can see oxygen. You still believe you're breathing it. None of us can see gravity. But Lord knows we're loving it right now. You're bouncing off this plaster ceiling like crazy. These are the ideas we have. This was really interesting, this Marvin Powell. I am usually open-minded to most things, but I believe you're an idiot if you believe morality is objective and absolute. You're probably extremely religious, too. See, people don't want there to be guardrails. People hate the gospel because it calls us to die to self when the world calls us to live only to self. The gospel calls us to surrender to Christ while the world tells us that true freedom is surrender to uninhibited passions and desires. If it feels right, it must be. The problem with that is if it feels right to you and not someone else, how can that be right? You and I would both agree, hopefully, that cannibalism is wrong. Can I get an amen? You go over to a remote island somewhere and those people feel a lot differently than you. They see cannibalism as right, you see it as wrong. Who's right? Well, I am. Why? Scott says, thou shalt not murder. How are you going to convince them? What's the Bible say? What's the Bible say about all this subjectivism with our desires? What exactly does Scripture say about following our passions, following our desires? It says this in James. Everyone knew where I was going. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. See, desire is not always a good thing, is it? Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. It is up to the believer to deny sin rule over their body. This is up to you and it's up to me. It says, let not sin therefore reign in your moral, excuse me, mortal body to make you obey its passions. It is up to the believer to present themselves to God. It's up to the believer. This is not done for you. It's not done for me. It's not done to us. All right? We do this. This is up to you and it's up to me. This is a conscious effort on the part of those who are saved. Understand, living this lifestyle does not get you saved. Saved people live this lifestyle. This is what Paul is saying here. This is what true repentance looks like. And a person surrendered to God and continually surrendered to God. True repentance is a person surrendered to God and continually surrendered to God. Look at Romans 6, 12 through 14. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, 
but grace. And look at the promise. Look at the promise here, everyone. Sin will have no dominion over you. Sin will have no dominion over you. Why? Because you are in Christ. And if you are in Christ, you are under grace. In Christ, you have no, no need to continue to try to earn salvation because you've been given it freely. Freely. And now, in light of that, what's the call? It's to daily surrender ourselves. It's to daily surrender ourselves. I want to go back to this verse here just one more time. Just look at this as we're thinking about this. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But what do we do? Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. This is what surrender truly looks like. This is it. And sadly, we've taken in the Christian faith the idea of surrender and we've made it this one-time event like it's a pill you just take. I surrendered my life to Christ. Well, good for you. That's great. That's, that's really great. I'm excited about that. I'm excited that people have surrendered their lives to Christ. But are you continuing to surrender your life to Christ? Because this is something that we need to do daily. You don't believe me? Carry around a notebook. Write down everything that you did today that you hate. Write down everything you did today that is against God's law and you will quickly find out how important it is not just to surrender that one time, but to continually surrender parts of your life to Christ. We've surrendered our eternity to him. Said, God, I want to be with you forever. That's good. But the Bible also speaks to every single area of life. There's a process known as sanctification where every single day God is going to shape and mold us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. So we stand on this side of the cross and God is at work in our lives to bring about this beautiful, complete, and full redemption. And what's required of of us every single day is to surrender ourselves. It's not just a one-time event. And this is where we've had it wrong for so long. We wake up and spend every single breath, every breath, Surrendering our lives to the will of the Father. You know, these people that all say, well, you need to live a life free of all restrictions. A life free of all that religious nonsense. Probably highly religious too, the guy says. In a book by C.S. Lewis called The Great Divorce, he said, in the end, there'll be two people. In the end, there are only two. Those that said to God, thy will be done. And those who heard from God, thy will be done. We can have it our way. We can have it his way. But the call for Christians is for us daily to surrender every single breath to Jesus Christ.